Greetings and salutations, creature lovers. This is Mr. Venom, welcoming you to a special edition of No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts. On this episode, we're going to be looking at three films that recently played at the Fantasia Film Fest, and we were lucky enough to get a chance to see them. But before we go on, let me introduce my partner for the night, Mr. Donna Nelly. How you doing, Donnie? Hey, what's going on? As you can tell, Derek is not with us, unfortunately. He had a little bit of a family emergency. So what we decided to do is we're going to call this a Fantasia special, kind of an add-on episode, if you will. It would <laughs> something that would probably be on Patreon if we had one, but we will never have a Patreon, I assure you. Yeah, so this will not be an official episode 12. This will just be a quick, n- spoiler-free review of three films that played in Fantasia, all courtesy of Mr. Don. So, Don, thank you very much for sharing those with us. Uh, very uh-huh. excited to look at these. Of course. Um, as soon as I saw that these were um, selected features for the uh, festival, my first thought was, hey, guys, if I can get my hands on these films, would you guys be interested in the uh, bonus episode? And uh, but luckily, they um, were available. It sucks that uh, Derek can't be here because I would absolutely love to hear what he thinks of uh, several of these. But yeah, um I, mean, I was lucky enough that uh, we were able to get all of the films. Um, it, it took a while for uh, one of them to show up, but uh, mm-hmm. luckily it, um, it it did um, appear on the list. And uh, yeah, we were able to uh, provide a little quick commentary on each of these. Um, I know for a fact one is slated for a limited release, and we'll talk about that. But uh, seeing as how, again, uh, you know, that's just one out of the three and uh, the other two are still, as far as I know, in uh, limbo as far as North American availability. I don't know how much uh, good it'll do for us to go in depth for these, uh, you know, films that uh, you guys can't see for a while. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think (laughs) keeping it to a uh, brief little uh, preview or coming attraction of uh, what we're about to get our hands on is uh, probably for the best at the moment. And then, uh, you know, if ever uh, the films do come out, uh, we'll probably, you know, re-push this episode, you know, try to get a, you know, a little bit more eyes on it. But uh, to also give you guys an idea of something that uh, if it turns out you see this six, seven months from now, you know, all the better. So there you go. All right, folks. So let's go ahead and start with our first annual Fantasia Fest episode. First movie on the docket is actually going to be a re-release. We're looking at a film from Korea, uh, circa 1967. This film is called Space Monster Wagmangui. Did I get it right, Don? Yep. <laughs> awesome. All right. So as I said, this is a previously thought to be lost film. The boys over at SRS were able to get a hold of the license owner of for this film. And after a little bit of prodding, we're able to get a limited release window for this one. I'm not 100% sure when this drops, but yeah, uh, look for it on srsfilms.com. Um, at some point, I'm sure it'll be available. Anything you want to say about this one, Don, before we get into it? Uh, yeah. Um, so when we covered um, on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, we covered uh, Yungari, Monster from the Deep, um, on episode two or three, I think. Mm-hmm. It was one of the earlier ones. Yeah. And we said um, erroneously at the time uh, back then that that was uh, South Korea's first kaiju film when we were actually wrong. By all reports, uh, this movie beat Yungari to the cinemas by five months. Uh, Venom earlier stated that this was thought lost, which um, is true. Um, At the time back then, because we recorded that, and I think in 
2019 or maybe even a little before yeah, 18, that. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. 2018, 2019, somewhere in there at that point in time, the film, uh, space monster, Wegmagri was considered lost, but it turns out that, uh, the film all this time had been in the, uh, possession of a private collector who had the original film reels. He only, uh, discovered it several months, uh, or not several months, but like several months ago. And that was part of the, uh, the the Fantasia screening was the world premiere of the restoration that uh, SRS will provide for the audiences in their release. Uh, if you listen to that episode, you'll hear that, you know, we state Young Gari is the first South Korean monster film when <laughs> it's actually space monster Wang Magri. There so. you go. A little bit of history on Korean kaiju films for you. Yeah. All right. So as far as Space Monster goes, uh, we are looking at, uh, as I mentioned, uh, original release date of 1967. We're looking at a one hour and 20 minute runtime. Director Hyok Jin Gwan. And our synopsis is as follows. Aliens from another planet seeking the conquest of Earth invade with flying saucers. They unleash a gigantic monster called Wang Mangwai who destroys everything in its path with a powerful death ray. Uh, I'll go ahead and start on this one. This was an interesting film, I will say, because when it comes to 60s and 70s kaiju, obviously, you know, the bulk of my watching is going to be, you know, stuff like Godzilla, Gamera, you know, the the big boys, obviously. This was very obviously a first time watch for me. And after watching it a little bit, I I, I really don't want to, you know, crap on anybody's movie because this is a 1967 movie you can tell it was a little bit lower budget there's a lot of military um stock footage in here that is very obviously military stock footage you've got a maybe not the most compelling monster necessarily you know as as the synopsis says you know aliens show on show up on earth with a plan to destroy the planet they release a monster a monster who at first we see in normal, like human size before he's dropped on Earth and then becomes gigantic. And then the movie kind of takes hold from there. As I said, I enjoyed watching it more for its camp value than anything else. I can't really say necessarily that this is like a cinematic masterpiece or something that needs to be experienced by kaiju fans. But as Don said, it is the first Korean kaiju movie. So at least it's got that little bit of history behind it. And it is interesting to see what they were able to do in the 60s. Um, you know, obviously the suit, it, you know, the suit technology might be a little bit behind what Toho was doing at the same time. So there's definitely maybe some to be desired with this film. But I, I'm pretty sure that classic kaiju fans are going to be into it. Like I said, it's a slice of history, thought lost, and now you can experience something like that, which I'm always down for. I love watching lost films or, you know, previously thought lost films. So, yeah, this is um, this might not be, you know, the high point of this episode for me necessarily, but I did have a pretty good time with it. At the very least, I had a good time laughing at the monster that kind of looked like he was made of brownie mix. But, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to crap on this movie. Uh, Don, what would you think of this one? Yeah, uh, you can very, very, very clearly tell that this is uh, inspired by a gamma. I'm kind of torn because I kind of want to spoil a little bit of it just because 
Some of this is inherently goofy, but I, I I do agree that there is a charm to it. I was actually kind of impressed that you tolerated it um, as much as you did uh, based on uh, <laughs> very obvious complaints that um, I know of you based on our uh, experience together and uh, which the film delves so heavily in. Yeah, as a kitsch camp value film, it's got a lot of merit to it. Um, the effects are... Not, you know, Toho standard or even Gamera standard. They they kind of uh, remind me a little of the uh, Ultraman series. Yeah. Yeah, they, they remind me a lot of, like, the special effects that you'd see there. Um, you know, very, very shallow miniature cityscapes. Decent enough destruction. I mean, they at least make it look, they at least make it look like, a, um, you know, it's a giant monster rather than just, you know, filming it in, in regular motion. They at least make it look like the monster stomp, you know, it's... It's actual giant monster. Mm -hmm. But a a lot of my issues with this uh, stem from the fact that it's just one long series of running gags where all of the inhabitants of the city seem to go into these uh, improvised style comic routines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be, I I think, the big issue um, with the film rather than anything to do with the monster stuff, because the monster stuff, I think, will kind of appeal to like the, the 60s campy style of a genre fan. There's very little in this that's going to be, you know, out of place for fans that appreciate, you know, the, you know, the, the gamma films at that time. Cause that was right when they started leaning heavily into the, the kitty approach with, you know, Gauss and, um, Beerus. And, uh, I, I think, uh, Giron was the sixties ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like I said, uh, the, the Gamera series is kind of uh, foreign to me outside of the first two or three, but I, I know enough of them to know that there's very, very similar tone here with this and the, you know, the Ultraman kind of, a, a, you know, episodes where the monsters rampage and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I think it's the humans that are going to be a little bit more of a problematic issue just based on, you know, the the, the rather slapdash approach that it takes to just introducing these weird characters where I, I I did do a little bit of research. A lot of these actually are like big comic stars in Korea at the time. Mm. So a lot of them were coming in and doing routines and, you know, being like doing like familiar kind of stuff that would have been um, familiar to Korean audiences in that era. I mean, I, I'm sure you noticed that it was so weird that they did this whole routine with the two guys making this bet on this wife or something. <laughs> What's weird about that gag is that I started to get really sick of it about five minutes in, but then when they got back to the guy's house and the wife was involved, then it was funny again. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, um, them, um, I, I think the, uh, doctors in the hospital where they're trying to deal with all the patients, I think those are also uh, comic actors. And then I, I think there's a couple of others, but, um, I, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's just, uh, you know, the monster's out early, which is a good thing, but it also means that in, you know, in order to fill time, there's all these running gags that come up and some of it may, you know, as you say, wear thin. I have absolutely no doubt that that happened to you, but, uh, like I said, you know, just as a fair bit of warning, you know, there's going to be like probably dated looking slapstick or, you know, comic routines that uh, show up in the middle of the film to pad out the running time. But uh, if you can look past that, it, it it's a decent watch. I mean, you know, don't go in expecting, you know, high art, you know, it, it being a uh, time capsule piece, I think is probably the uh, best 
best thing about it. So there you go. Yeah. And uh, before we move on to our next movie, I will say that Space Monster now has the distinction of having the worst kid I've ever seen in a kaiju movie <laughs> formally held by Yang Gary. Isn't it funny how Koreans do little shitty kids so well? <laughs> I mean, this kid, this kid is way more insufferable than little Hitler from Yang Gary. And, and the shit that he does, I mean, Ugh. you got to suspend disbelief, folks. You really yeah. are going to have to suspend disbelief with the entire scene of the kid. But like I said, if you can get into it for its camp value, I think you're going to have a good time. Like I said, some of the comedy hits, some of it's a little stale, but for the most part, it is a mildly entertaining film that I think yeah. Kaiju fans should check out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, being a camp piece is probably its uh, best landing spot. There you go. All right. So the next film on our docket from the Fantasia Fest is one that I've been looking forward to literally since the first time I heard about it about a year and a half ago. I, this movie's gone through a couple of title changes, but they finally settled on What to Do with a Dead Kaiju, released in Japan on February 4th of this year. Not sure on an American release date yet. Don might be able to enlighten us on that. But this movie, like I said, uh, without having ever seen a trailer for it, just to see that title, something that I've literally thought about since the late 70s. What do they do with all these dead monsters, these giant monsters that are the, the size of buildings? And, you know, it's not like you can just let it rot or whatever. So this was something I was really looking forward to. And um, in my opinion, it absolutely paid off. Um, this one's a little bit of a long one. You're looking at an hour and 55 minute runtime. Uh, this one is directed by uh, and written by uh, Satoshi Miki. Uh, our synopsis is as follows. A large monster attacks Japan but dies suddenly. While the people rejoice and bask in relief, the giant corpse left behind begins to slowly rot and bloat. If it explodes, the nation will be destroyed. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Um, I... First and foremost, folks, this is not a kaiju film. This is not a kaiju film. This is not an action film. This is very much a drama slash comedy. Um, you get a little, you get a little bit of the slapstick comedy that you got from Space Monster in here with some of the government officials bickering back and forth on what they should do with this dead kaiju. We're not 100% sure how the kaiju dies. You know, he dies in the very opening scene. We don't actually get to see it. All we see is this bright light that comes from space and our movie kind of just goes on from there but th this one really entertained me like I, I i had as much as i was expecting this one and looking forward to it it still went beyond my expectations i had such a great time with this watching these terrible politicians trying to decide what to do with this body and always in their own benefit, be it, um, you know, the Department of the, the Treasury, the Department of the Interior, the Department of the Military, like all these different department heads trying to figure out what they want to do with this thing. And some of the ideas come up that they come up with are absolutely laughable, which does add to the comedy. Like I said, we do yeah. get... Uh, we get a, a kaiju that, like I said, is dead throughout the entire movie. I was trying to think of kaijus that we've seen that he kind of looks like. Don might be able to actually chime in on that one. but Because to me, it just kind of looked like a giant T-Rex, kind of like that T-Rex that we saw in one of the classic Godzilla movies. I forget which, but yeah. But I still, I got to say, these performances are great. Um, the comedy hits for me. I... 
I, I like this story a lot, and I, I'm even pretty satisfied with the ending, honestly. I mean, in fact, we can't, I know Don and I can't really speak too much on this ending, but this ending was probably the surprise ending of 2022 for me. Uh, obviously, we're, we're going to be as ambiguous and vague as possible with this ending, but I got to say, I stood up and cheered in my living room when I saw that ending. So, uh, Don, what'd you think of What to Do with a Dead Kaiju? Uh, yeah, um, I will absolutely echo two of your sentiments. Um, the, titula- the the title of the film and uh, the quandaries it posed is a long gestured idea in my head. Because, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the thing's dead. Now what? <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, that, you know, you've got this 200, 300 foot tall behemoth thing that, you know, was plopped dead in the middle of your city. What what are you going to do with it? Like, I mean, you're going to toss it into a trash receptacle. You're going to chop it up and sell it for meat. Uh, you know, airlift it somewhere. I mean, you know, the title itself poses a, a myriad of wonderful ideas. And it's an idea that I, I've only seen tackled once. And it's an episode of the uh, 1998 uh, animated Godzilla series where uh, one of the uh, – there, there, there's two separate stories in the episode, one of which was a uh, side story involving what the uh, Heat team members did, who were the uh, main characters of the show. Uh, what They were they were uh, sued by the city of a monster battle, and uh, they were tasked with trying to clean up the aftermath. So uh, that was uh, the first time that I've ever really seen the topic tackled uh, at all. So it's always been something that I've, uh, you know, found, I've always thought was uh, pretty interesting idea to take and i will absolutely echo the comedy i think the easiest thing to say with this one is that uh it's shin godzilla with a sense of humor (laughs) Uh, you know if you uh liked all of the uh political battles and grandstanding that went on in there but uh the dramatic tone kind of puts you off I, I think the straightforward comedy in this one is going to be a little bit more pleasing because a lot of these ideas are just so absurd. Uh, they end up and they come up with the most lame reasoning for how to name the monster and where they're <laughs> going to put it. You know, they, they come up with this idea of turning it into a tourist attraction, and the whole thing is pre. And you know, the whole thing is given a uh, a video speech to the nation live on the monster itself. Which uh, provides a uh, great gag that, uh, unfortunately, uh, we can't uh, spoil yet. Oh. That, that gag was, that was hilarious. Oh, it really, really was. <laughs> Another one that really hit me in this one was the fact that literally reporters and politicians are arguing over what the smell of the kaiju is. Oh like, they're God. literally going back, does it smell like shit or does it smell like puke? Does it smell like shit or does it smell like puke? <laughs> and just the mere fact that that was actually a point of contention in the movie, like, who cares? They, exactly. It's like the reporters yeah. needed something to call the stench. They they needed to have something in writing. And, yeah, that, that whole exchange is so goddamn hysterical. <laughs> yeah. If that kind of that that's kind of like the tone of where of what this approach is. So, if that's your kind of humor, then I I absolutely think you're going to enjoy it. As he said, there's no creature action in this movie. I I think we only get the aftermath of the rampage sequence once. Mm-hmm. We don't even see the thing in action, so I I can't really say much about what it is. 
based on the few glimpses we get of it, because unfortunately the the thing is is that the the creature is so big you know, that there's never a full body shot of it. You see. Uh, predominantly, you see the one leg sticking straight up in the air, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic sight gag every time I see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the idea of this uh, gigantic monster, you know, this city-scraping, you know, 300-foot-tall beast, just with this prominent leg sticking straight up in the air like a chi- like a chicken leg. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing's laying on its side the entire time, so it's got the one leg that's not laying on the ground, it's sticking straight up. <laughs> <laughs> So good. It, it looks vaguely reptilian uh, based yeah. on that long legs, uh, you know, long tail. It looked like there was some kind of sail or like some kind of fin attachment on the back of it. But, it, uh, you know, not like a very prominent one, but just like there was like some kind of like weird uh, ornamentations on its back. But I, mm-hmm. I never recall getting like the clear defined like look at it or some kind of you know like a definitive shot of it because you never see it in action it never causes any destruction or like you know engages the military or smashes into a building or anything all you see is the aftermath so you see the you know trail you know the literal like canyon it carves in the city as you see like the the buildings like sawed in half where it crashed through and you see all the rubble strewn all over the place like that's all you get of it and it's just like a quick three second shot Mm -hmm. so those of you that are looking forward to you know actually seeing the battle and you know finding out what the what killed the creature that is not answered but um i i will say speaking on the ending if you get the ending then I think you can figure out what happened to mm-hmm. kill the creature, mm-hmm. which, God, I, I really, really want to talk about that. Right? Ending. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the ending is like one of the big focal points of the film. As mentioned earlier, I cannot find any kind of North American wide release for this one yet. So I would imagine sort of like what we got with a sadness where it was a big deal at the festival. I think we'll mm-hmm. probably see it in early 2023. I, I know that there was a lot of reviews in Japan uh, just because the director uh, Satoshi Miike is sort of a uh, critical darling over in Japan. This is one of the first time that he's ever delved in the genre, but he's, He's known for doing these kind of like absurd comedies that, uh, you know, the the slapstick style that uh, he uh, displayed in here. So that's sort of been his trademark up until now. And he sort of introduces that into a, you know, kaiju-esque film. So there was a lot of uh, big publicity with the film over in Japan. So I can't imagine that it'll be long before we see it. But until then, yeah, it's just, it's killing me not to be able to, you know, talk more about that. But uh, unfortunately, due to the, you know, release schedule of this, yeah, we we can't mention what goes on in the ending because mm-hmm. I was just like you. I was just like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, just mouth agape, like, oh my god, they did it. <laughs> they actually did that. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Yeah. So I, it sounds like Don and I are both strongly recommending this one. But just again, be warned going into it. This is not an action film. This is not a kaiju film. It is not a creature feature. It is solidly a dramatic comedy or a comedic drama, however you want to look at it with, you right. know, with political overtones. But yeah, still incredibly entertaining. And if you've ever had that thought of what they do with the dead kaiju when it's when it's, uh, you know, when the fight's over. This is the movie for you. So, yeah, go ahead and check this one out. All right, folks, uh, moving on to our final movie of the episode. I told you this would be a quick one. Uh, we are going to look at probably the the movie. As much as I talked <laughs> up what to do with the dead kaiju, this is the movie that I've been waiting about a, over a year to see. Don has already mentioned Shin Godzilla. And right after Shin Godzilla got a physical release out here in the States, I remember them talking about, oh, we're going to do more Shin movies. You know, we're going to do Shin Gamera, Shin this, Shin that. And we never really got another one until, until now. now. <laughs> oh, my friends. Yes, we are talking about Shin Ultraman. And anyone yes. who has listened to uh, the two of us on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, you know, we loves us some Ultraman. So, yeah, this um, was if the absolutely. first two films, if the first two films we talked about carry any kind of, uh, you know, hesitations or reservations in terms of our recommendations throw that out the window for this one <laughs> yeah this and this movie starts with a bang i mean oh, the God. opening scene <laughs> is one of the most gorgeous fight scenes you know that doesn't strictly utilize cgi i think they're still doing the man in a suit here but with cgi yeah. enhancements and that's acceptable to me i i totally am down with that and literally this entire first battle as the kind of Don mentioned with the end of our last film, my mouth was just a gape. I'm like, this is one of the coolest things I have ever seen. And then, you know, we get a little bit of a lull, well, but the action does pick up. Well, What's backtrack, that? We should backtrack just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Director, plot, and... Absolutely, yeah. Come on, yeah. let's do it. All right, so our director is Shinji Higuchi. We have uh, a writer of Hideaki Anno, and our synopsis is as follows. As the threat of giant unidentified life forms known as S-class species worsens in Japan, a silver giant appears from beyond Earth's atmosphere. Now, for those of you who don't know, Shin, what is the literal translation of Shin done? I believe it means like new era or something. I remember yeah. hearing I remember hearing it, but I think that's the term. Yeah. Some, so, yeah. Um yeah, new. Yeah, I think you're right because I, I'm actually a sumo fan. I watch. I've been watching sumo wrestling for about six years, and when the current Yokozuna became first got elected to Yokozuna, they were calling him the Shin Yokozuna. So yeah, I, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like new or new era, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so what I'm saying. I, I heard it. I, I remember hearing it once, and I think that's the the literal English translation, but yep. not a hundred percent. It just I think that's that's where it is. So, yeah, as the title suggests, we are looking at a new origin story of uh, Ultraman. You know, we get his introduction to Earth. We we even get a good piece of his backstory. Uh, we see other, you know, we see other quote unquote Ultramen, uh, if you will, at least one other. And then, you know, you've got your various kaiju and alien antagonists throughout the film. But this one, this this was such a fun film, because even when there's not any kaiju action going, 
The science patrol scenes in this are so entertaining to me. You know, we get a cool little mystery with one of the members of the science patrol. And obviously anyone who's watched the series kind of knows what that secret is. But it's cool for new fans who maybe aren't as aware to actually start watching this and get that cool little reveal about halfway through the movie. But yeah, this movie has some of, as I've already said, has some of the most beautiful kaiju battle scenes I've ever seen. I mean, this thing, and and trust me, folks, I I do love the legendary Godzilla movies. You know, obviously they're all CGI. I I do enjoy them a lot, but this, I mean, this is a marvel of cinema as I'm watching this. This is coming to you from from a guy who's been watching kaiju movies for over 40 years and just some of the most beautiful scenes, well shot, well edited, Everything is beautifully lit. You get a little tiny bit of like tearing around some of the special effects, especially like when they're when they're kind of enhancing the man in the suit with some CGI. But it's so minor. You're almost not you're only really going to see it if you're looking for it. So as I've already said, great performances, great story, beautiful cinematography, fights, action, score, even the score for this was really cool. It was like really a driving score throughout a lot of parts of it. But then, you know, it's sombered down when it needed to. So, yeah, this is definitely the movie of the episode for me. I mean, if I could, I've only seen it the two times so far, and I will definitely be purchasing this when it's on physical media here in the States. But this is damn near a perfect kaiju movie to me. I know that's a that's a bold statement, but god damn, do I have literally nothing to complain about with this movie. Every single scene, every single line I enjoyed. I had an ear-to-ear grin throughout the entire film, and we even get uh, once again we get another satisfying ending, not the same kind of satisfaction that you get from Dead Kaiju. But I thought that this ending was very sweet, very poignant. You know, it really just shows the hero that Ultraman really is. So, yeah, Don, what'd you think of this goddamn masterpiece? <laughs> uh, I mean, can I copy edit that whole thing? Uh, <laughs> what else can I add? But, um, uh, yeah, uh, to me, this was just uh, I can only describe as uh, an eyegasm. I mean, this was just <laughs> this was just pure joy. Um and I'll I'll tell you one thing, and the, the one thing I, I will tack on that I did that you didn't touch on was they treated everything with so much respect and affection. You get classic era sound effects. The clubs were exactly the same kind of clubbing thuds that Ultraman did in the original series. The monsters had the same roars as the original series. The space beam, the sp- the specium array, had the same sound effect. The explosions were 60s-era Toho stock sound effects. Like, all of that was just wrapped up together. And as soon as I saw that in, like, the first the first battle, it's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and, I, I, I mean, I, I can't just, you know, I, I can't just, you know, elevate your statement about this thing being beautiful. I mean, those shots in the countryside are just absolutely gorgeous looking. I, I, I don't know if those are sets or matte paintings or something, but I mean, my God, those things are beautiful. And, you know, you see the shots of Ultraman just standing there looking heroic or, you know, squaring off against the creature just before the battle. But, uh, you know, the, the visuals in this one are just as much fun as the monster action. And the monster action is incredibly old school. Mm -hmm. Grappling, wrestling, throwing, you know, 
martial arts, you know, hip tosses and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, he'll throw in the specium right thing, which, I mean, thank God I'm not doing the recap to this thing because I'd throw my voice out with all the battles. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, this was just, I could not just, I could not have a more fun time watching this one. I mean, even the science patrol was just an absolute joy. I mean, the relationship that he has with the girl, mm-hmm. I, I mean, those guys, those were so much fun. And I was really, really looking forward to how are they going to get out of this one? And, you know, there was some genuine tension in some of the scenes at the end where they're fighting the monsters and, you know, they, they get in on the action and it's like, you know, this did everything perfectly. I mean, there's, like you said, there's almost nothing I can complain about with this one. You know, it, it homages the past to, to a great extent, but it doesn't rely on it. And it gives you everything you could want. It gives you things you didn't know you wanted. And yeah, I I, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. I was so satisfied with this film. I mean, the, the good mood that I was in the rest of the day after watching this the first time, it emulates the good mood I was in the first time I watched The Sadness. Just just, just uh, literally, you know, floating around the house with an ear-to-ear grin on my face, having just watched this amazing film that, you know, that absolutely entertain me to no end uh, i i don't know what else we can say about this folks i mean this yeah. this is absolutely the the kaiju film of the festival i mean and by the way i i do see us maybe covering this on the show i would be very interested to do a full review of this one when it comes out oh, on, absolutely on physical media you know obviously we've been kind of avoiding kaiju movies on the show out of respect to a previous show that we've done but it's looking less and less like that show is ever going to return. So I would I would say, you know, look for us to start maybe looking at some kaiju films, you know, either later this year or early 2023. But, yeah, I would imagine this is almost a guarantee, like a lock when this comes out on physical media. We're absolutely going to cover it. So, yeah. Um, so if you don't get a chance to watch it right away, you know, fret not. You will see it soon enough um, and we will absolutely discuss it when it does come out. So. So there you go, folks. That is our Fantasia Festival special for Creature Comforts. I actually forgot to mention at the very beginning of the episode, this is our anniversary episode, too. One year of Creature Comforts. Happy oh, birthday, Don. Yeah. Happy birthday, bud. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, as you know, as you already know, Derek couldn't join us today because of a family emergency, but he's always with us in spirit. And he, he has already told us that he'll give us some he'll give us his thoughts on these three films on our next full episode just so everyone's aware how he feels about these films i'm very interested to see what he has to say about all three of these honestly so i I am too yeah (laughs) yeah all right folks so that's it for this month uh join us next month as we'll go back to our normal format of looking at a creature feature and breaking it down unfortunately we haven't picked the movie yet as this this episode has been this episode has actually been planned to record for like three weeks in a row now and unfortunately just because of scheduling conflicts and everything else and then today with a family emergency it was just the kind of thing where Don and I said, let's just, let's just go ahead and get this episode out yeah. for the folks because it literally, it feels like it's been two months since I put Mad God out. I don't think it's been exactly two months, but it feels that way because it's well, been close so long. enough because, yeah, uh, Fantasia ended up and Fantasia was running while Mad God premiered. Exactly. So, so yeah, yeah um, when Matt, so yeah, the, this has been uh, almost like two, like a two months in the planning kind of a thing. 
Yeah, exactly. I, we, we knew we were going to be doing this well over a month ago. So, yeah, this is definitely something that needed to be done, uh, you know, just so we could move on to our next episode, which will be our official episode 12. But that's it for us, folks. Uh, on behalf of Don and Nelly, I am Mr. Venom thanking you immensely for joining us. It's always a treat to talk kaiju, and we're always glad that you can join us. So until next episode, folks, take care. See you then.